May I speak in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. This morning, the second Sunday in Lent, the readings we are given in our lectionary cycle have a common theme among them, faith. Now, as you know, I did not grow up in Alabama, but I did grow up just next door in Mississippi. And I know that faith plays a big role in two major aspects of life in the South. The first, of course, is church, and the second is football. I really wanted to include a football analogy in my sermon this morning, but I knew I couldn't get too close to home, or else I would alienate at least half of the congregation, no matter what I said. So I'm going to stick with what I know, and what probably no one else really pays attention to, and that's Navy football. <laughs> I think I'm in a safe area talking about Navy football. And for that rare West Point grad who might have stumbled across this video online, you just have to deal with this for a few minutes. In case you didn't know, football is an absurdly big deal at the Naval Academy. The entire student body, the brigade of midshipmen, is required to attend every single home football game in Annapolis. They're not just required to be there, but to be there in style, including a parade through Annapolis to the stadium and a march onto the field with all that military pageantry that people love to watch on TV. As a midshipman, you have to stay for the whole game, from the kickoff till the singing of Navy Blue and Gold, the Academy's alma mater. So if you like football, or if your team is a good team, it can be a lot of fun. But if you don't really like football or if your team's not having a great year, it can be nothing short of miserable. Well, when I first arrived at the Naval Academy in 2001, Navy football was, how shall I say, experiencing a building year. Our record that year was zero and 10. We were ranked 115th out of 117 teams. And for a freshly arrived plebe who had to be at every single game and had nowhere else to go, it was pretty rough. The Army-Navy game particularly plays a huge role in the life of a plebe because if Navy wins the Army-Navy football game, then all the plebes who have to do all these ridiculous things their first year get to have a little bit of a break that next semester and have a little more relaxed life. Well, lo and behold, that 0-10 football team did not win that year. And so my plebe year continued unabashed all the way through to the end. Like I said, it was, it was pretty rough. But after that year, which came as no surprise to anyone, we got a new head coach. And that new coach's name was Paul Johnson. We all had faith that Paul Johnson would be able to help us out a little bit, and that he could possibly turn the tide. Well, wouldn't you know it, that 
0-10 football team became a 2-10 football team the next year and won the Army-Navy game. The year after that, we became a winning team, 8-5. My senior year, Navy was 10-2 and ranked 24th overall. They went on to win something like 15 straight Army-Navy games and had a glorious football dynasty which we've been rebuilding a little bit the past couple years. But our faith paid off in the form of St. Paul Johnson, who went on to do even bigger and better things at Georgia Tech. Perhaps you have a team like that, who your faith in one player or one coach paid off in the end and made a big difference. It's... It's hard to believe that so many people can put such trust or hope in someone that we've really never met. But we do, don't we? When we talk about our faith on an even larger scale, faith meaning believing in something that we cannot see but that we know is true, our faith can, in fact, change our lives and even our very beings when we embrace it, and when we don't run away from it. And this type of faith goes way beyond football, even in Alabama. The story we hear this morning from Genesis is one that we know. It's the very foundation of who we are as God's people, the calling of Abraham and the establishment of God's covenant. Now, when we really think about it, Abram and Sarai were nearly 100 years old. Every ounce of our logic tells us that they had no real business having children at that stage in their lives. They had no business starting a completely new life. But their faith told them otherwise. How easy could it have been for Abram to say, you know what, God, I've actually had a really good life so far. I think I'm okay. You can take that pitch down the road to that younger guy over there. How easy would it have been for Abram to keep on living as he always had, in his quiet home with his loving wife for the rest of his days. But Abraham embraced his faith fully and believed wholeheartedly that God had greater things in store for him and for his family, things he could never even imagine. We know the rest of the story. Abraham and Sarah did have descendants more numerous than the stars or the grains of sand, of which we are in that count. Faith is all they had. Their faith is all that it took to change their lives, and actually to change the whole world. So when we fast forward to the time of Jesus in our gospel reading, it's interesting to remember that Jesus and his disciples and all of the Jewish people are actually those descendants of Abraham the man who embraced his faith. And now we find those disciples living into a new reality, a new covenant with God, 
this time in the flesh, in the person of Jesus of Nazareth. And at this point, Peter and the disciples have been with Jesus for a while. They've seen him work miracles. They've seen him change water into wine. They've seen him heal the sick and raise the dead and do all of these things that surely only the Son of God could do. And more importantly, they believe in him. They believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the one who has come to save their people, to end the oppression, and to end the tyranny that they've lived under for as long as they can remember. So when Jesus begins to tell them how he must undergo suffering, be rejected, be killed, and then after three days rise from the dead, it's too much for Peter to take. That's not the plan, Peter thinks. That's not how this is supposed to work. You must be mistaken, Jesus. Get behind me, Satan, Jesus says. Peter, you're setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Jesus reminds Peter that his faith, the thing that caused him to follow Jesus in the first place, the thing that caused his ancestor Abraham to live into God's calling, his faith is based on things he cannot see, the things he may not even understand. But through the grace of God, he can believe with his entire heart, mind, and soul. For Peter, it is the ultimate test of his faith. Can the Son of God really die and rise again? As we know, Peter tends to learn things the hard way. His faith often falters. But Jesus' faith in Peter never does. Faith is what keeps us going. We may not realize it, but we put a good deal of faith in all kinds of things each and every day. We put our faith in the government and in our elected officials to do the right things to protect us and to allow us to live healthy, happy, and successful lives. We put our faith in banks and in the financial system so that the money that we have will actually mean something when we go to make a purchase. These days, we are putting our faith in vaccines, in mask wearing, and in social distancing, because right now, that is our hope. Most of us are not scientists or epidemiologists, but we have faith that the procedures we are being asked to follow are effective and will help protect us and help protect our neighbors and help bring this pandemic to an end. That's faith. We have faith that one day all this will be behind us, that the great COVID-19 pandemic will be a thing in the past. 
Our faith is what empowers us as Christians to go do things that most people would say we have no business doing, just like Sarah and Abraham. Our faith empowers any one of you to go out into our community, to go out into our world and make a difference for someone you'll never even know. Our faith can indeed move mountains. It can move the seemingly insurmountable mountains of inequality and injustice. And it can open wide the door to the kingdom of God. With God's help, you can change the world. All you got to do is keep the faith.